You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. So I've come to the conclusion that that uh, the way generations deal with their trauma is Gen Z puts it on Instagram Live or TikTok. Millennials put it in a podcast and boomers put it right back into Fox News. <laughs> I I would... Uh, Gen X does not deal with their trauma. We are well aware. <laughs> no, they just yell about it on Twitter and then they're mad yeah. that people get mad at them. Sorry. They're like, my life was hard. And millennials are like, us too. And they're like, you don't matter. And we're like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so sorry. How many um, recessions, pandemics, and terrorist attacks did you live through by the time you were 30? I'm not even in my mid-20s yet, technically, and I uh, have lived through a great many. Yes, exact, yeah. exactly. Speaking of which, how's everybody doing in the post-coronavirus lockdown? C- current coronavirus lockdown? Well, we are post the inciting of the lockdown. We are in the lockdown currently. Yeah, how's everybody doing? Going crazy? I know I am. We're going nuts. Yes, as evidenced by the fact that the other day Christian cut my hair... <laughs> In our house. <laughs> it looks amazing, by the way. It does. We had a great time. We chopped, I chopped it off. We dyed it pink. It looks great. Yeah. Well, the inciting incident was that I got the hair dye, and I was like, this is not enough for all my hair. And Christian was like, we should just cut it off. That was like summer camp like chaos that came over me. Yeah. Well, and then, but that's just, uh, apparently we are one of many. Yes. I later realized that nine of my girlfriends had either cut their roommate's hair or had their roommates cut their hair. And that's really just what we women be doing when they're out of the eyes of men, which is what quarantine does. Quarantine is all about, look, it's, it is chaos city in the Julian Christian apartment right now. Yeah. I cannot believe how chaotic today alone has been. And neither of us left the apartment. (laughs) Well, I went to the gym. It really has been such a long day. I'm just I, thinking about well, it. Well, actually, wait, I did leave the apartment. I am just now realizing that today was the day I went to Trader Joe's because I've already, like, remembered that as yesterday because I woke up at, um, you know, the 7 a.m. of dawn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you all, I'm sure you all are familiar with the 7 a.m. of dawn. Well, in fairness, like, the sun is rising in between 6 and 7 currently, so that's about right. Mm-hmm. And I did this to go wait in line at Trader Joe's before it opened, got there, the line was stretching way around the building, and then just had the most Midwestern experience my whole time as all of us were like panic buying groceries, being like, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, oh, I didn't mean to hit you with my cart, sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to get right past you, I just went, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm just going to squeeze right oh, past yeah. you. <laughs> just like, I... I don't think I've, I mean, like, and this is somebody who has spent a great many years in the Midwest. I don't think I've ever heard the word ope that so many, many times. times in that span of time. Um, well, I feel like you had a much more successful TJ's trip than I did on Friday when I went to the checkout aisle with a bottle of wine, two things of garlic, salt, and anchovies. And the one was like, how you doing? I was like, the more important question is, how are you doing? True. Anybody who is currently um, in quarantine but still needs to shop, as we all do, please make sure you're extra courteous to your retail workers, uh, especially those who are probably not getting paid a whole bunch of overtime but are still being um, forced to work because they are honestly emergency um, workers at this point, um, yeah. given our current situation. So please be extra courteous. I know. And if they're mean to you, let it go. Don't do it. Just 
they're having a bad day, I guarantee They are you. having a bad day, and they're having a way worse day than you are when you get to go home and sit on your couch and watch Netflix, and they're dealing with the next asshole who's coming in being like, why don't you have unsalted butter? Like, because we're in a <laughs> pandemic, mama. Like, let it go. For reference, that did actually happen to Christian today. today. Like, you know when you're in the supermarket... Um, and the person who's stocking the dairy is like behind the fridge from behind stocking the dairy. Some lady was like, her head was back there. (laughs) And I was like, ma'am, let it go. That always really frightened me as a child. I didn't like the fact that there was like another side to the dairy. (laughs) I didn't like that there were people on Uh, the other side. Okay. And I reiterate, ma'am, let it go. (laughs) Um, I've grown up a bit since then, True. But still. All this being said, we just want to make sure that you guys are being safe. You're washing your hands. You're staying inside. If you're in a place that is currently under quarantine watch, as we are and most of the United States is, um, our, we, I know we have European listeners. Uh, apparently our listeners in South America are not in quarantine, so you guys can fuck it up, have so much fun until you are in quarantine. <laughs> but the crazy thing is that we are not like forcibly quarantined at all. People are just yelling at us to stay inside, and we still manage to justify cutting my hair. <laughs> well, I mean, we're in, not, it, not quarantine, we are in self-isolation. Yes. Um, social isolation or whatever it is. Social distancing. Social people. distancing. Six feet. Listen, Mama, I got so good at social distancing in high school. I mean, I wasn't the one doing the distancing. It was everybody else from me, but I got really good at it. So, hey. Hey. And that's why I know everything about Teen Wolf. True, which is what this podcast is all about. It's all about it. Uh, so anyway, welcome to the Teen Wolf Ray Wolf podcast. My name is Christian. And I'm Julia. And we just really hope you guys are staying safe out there. This is going to be maybe a little bit of a longer episode. We're just going to kind of let us see where the conversation goes because I know this is going to be our um, last episode until kind of the hiatus is over. Me and Julia are going to be parting ways in the next couple of days uh, to both go home and be with our families. We'll, um, we'll come back together. It's not a permanent parting of ways, but it is a But our apartment pandemic. will be empty. Yeah. It's a pandemic, and I would rather have coronavirus in my uh, parents' house than in my apartment in Chicago. Real. They, I know what temperature the water is going to be when I take a shower there. Oh, and the water pressure? Can you... Oh, I'm dreaming of My it. dog lives there. Like, I gotta go back. Yeah, the cat. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm so pumped. <laughs> I mean, by the end, I will maybe kill my parents, but coronavirus will not have killed me. True. I truly... Okay, here's the water temperature when you live in an apartment building. Uh, (laughs) You either have A, water that is so hot it is scalding off the skin of your ass cheeks and you look like a fucking baboon, or B, it is so cold it's mostly just like a spray of dipping Dots. (laughs) It's just liquid nitrogen. (laughs) The other problem that we have specifically in this apartment is we don't have a fan in our bathroom, so we have to open the window. And when the wind blows inside, you can't see anything, so you're just showering blind. You're showering blind and cold. (laughs) And our downstairs neighbor smokes off his porch, so every once in a while you're like, shower time, Mm, secondhand smoke, that's gross. (laughs) Love that allergic reaction in the shower. Like, truly, when I get in the shower, it's like, oh, I have hives, I need to get in the shower, and then I'm like, oh, nothing like getting a few extra hives while I'm in the shower. Just like an extra sprinkle. Just like a little extra sprinkle of hives. Um, Are you ready to talk about Teen Wolf? Literally always. Literally never. (laughs) We've we've spent a lot of time avoiding talking about Teen Wolf before we turned on the mics. I was explaining uh, in detail the plot of Saw 1 to Christian. (laughs) I've never seen it. Maybe we should watch it tonight since I feel like we're not sleeping because we're both going, 
crazy. It will deeply disturb you, but I'm up for it. I still haven't seen Midsommar. Oh, we should watch Midsommar. I did just watch it, but we could watch it again. Let's watch Midsommar. I could also go to bed during the middle. That's a great point. I just made for myself. Yeah, I'm like, that doesn't help me. I don't want to be awake alone watching Midsommar. It's just very bright. I have a hard time watching Florence Pugh in certain things because I'm like, that career should be mine. <laughs> I will say that she is among the very few British actresses who... Does a good American does accent. Does a good American accent. Emma Watson, is, please stop. And that's not any true negative anything against Emma Watson. It's just like, you can't do it. Barnacle Cumberbuns can't do it either. No, it's not. We like you. Just, you're bad. You're, you're just American not American. Accent. Also, there are some things where I'm like... I actually feel like Americans should play that role because it is specifically American. A la Superman. I don't like that Henry Cavill plays Superman. Interesting. I was going with Selma and Martin Luther King. Oh, yeah. 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 An American black man should play Martin Luther King. Not a controversial opinion. What's her name who played Harriet Tubman? Cynthia Erivo. Isn't she she British? Yeah. Let an American black woman play Harriet Tubman. Tubman. What is wrong with you? Do you want me to just list like a brilliant American black actresses? Because the list goes on for a really long time before we get to, I don't know, a British person. Well, it's like when they did that friggin' Aretha Franklin tribute at the Grammys and like it was all white women. Yeah. It's like the list of talented black American vocalists is as long as my arm. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Beyonce was showing up to the Grammys anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Where is she? Yeah. Um, wow. I didn't so Teen Wolf. So actually, Teen Wolf. <laughs> um, I think we all know why Christian is procrastinating because it is her turn to do the 60 second recap first. Oh, fuck. Actually, it's I true. mean, ah, oh, fuck. You know, there's a really difference between oh, fuck and ah, oh, fuck. Because like, oh, fuck is like, I have made <laughs> a, a, huge a, a huge mistake. And ah, oh, fuck is like, oopsie doodle. <laughs> It is truly incredible, the semantics of ah and oh. Yeah. Yeah. Or even when you're typing and you say, like, and you're saying ah, and you say ah as opposed to aw, because aw is like, oh, mm-hmm. and aha is like, ah, God, no, <laughs> damn it, no, God. Yes. Uh, semantics. The English language is truly wild, which is why we need to stop talking about it and start talking about Teen Wolf. Arguably even more confusing. <laughs> Um, I actually feel like this is one of the lesser confusing episodes of the whole series. It is, That's generous in technicality, <laughs> a bottle episode. Yeah, there... And, which is what we're experiencing currently in our apartment, <laughs> a bottle episode. Which is why this is so chaotic. <laughs> Truly. All right, uh, I will I will do my recap. Okay, um, you have one minute on the clock. Okay. Starting now. So Scott and Stiles convince Sheriff that he needs to reopen the case because there's no way that uh, Mr. Harris is guilty, and they tell him that it's Matt because they figured out at the party that Matt is the controller of the Canima, and they figure out they put together all of the connections, I guess, and it's something to do with the 2006 swim team, and then they go to the uh, evidence lockup in the sheriff's office, and then while they're looking, they figure out that it's Matt and that they can arrest him because they see him talking to Melissa in the hospital. They go back out to find that the front desk lady has been killed. We hate fridging black women. Why the hell do they keep doing that? And then uh, Matt shows up with Jackson, and he's killed everybody in the, uh, the sheriff's department office, whatever the hell, and he's like, I'm going to kill you guys because I got killed, and I'm turning into the canima, and everyone's like, that's really gross. Please put your rash away. <laughs> 
day. And then Derek shows up to try to save the day, and he can't. And then uh, Scott has to show his mom that he's a werewolf on accident. And uh, the Argents come because Allison figures out that Derek is the one who bit her mom. And then through all of this, uh, Matt is uh, killed by Gerard. And Scott finds out that Gerard is betraying him because Scott's been apparently working for him this whole time. And Derek overhears that, and Peter is back. Ding dong. You got most of it. I missed the thing with Derek and Deaton, but I guess yeah. now that I said that, you can do it. Damn it, I gave well, free I, points away. The the good thing about going second is that you're just sitting there being like, aha, a thing I will bring up that they did not bring up. Hee <laughs> hee. Yes. Yep, yep. Sorry, I was looking for my timer. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. On your mark, get set, go. Okay, so we get a quick flashback of how Matt became the master of the Canima, and then we switch to Styles' house where he's convincing his dad that um, Harris is not guilty, but they need to go to the evidence locker to truly figure it out. Um, they go there, there's some like little, oh, why are you here? And then they're looking at the security footage from the hospital, and they're like, you can't possibly tell who someone is from the back, but then they see Melissa, and they're like, they call her, and she's like, oh, I, I know that guy. Please come to the station so that you can verify him. And then um, Gerard gives Allison a letter from her mom, and uh, she, Allison decides to switch sides and go after Derek. Derek um, is revived by Deaton after having been sucked dry by Peter. I don't really know how that works, but um, he's like still an alpha. And then we figure that the Deaton is important to um, Derek's family. Derek gets to the sheriff's station, but is uh, by the cannons. Scott gets shot. That's upsetting. And um, the hunters are there and they don't accomplish anything. Um, and... <laughs> Gerard is bad and murders people. Okay, well, you're done. <laughs> I really lost steam there. I don't know what it, that was about. I Well, I think I showed you the time and you got worried. You had more to say, but then you realized you couldn't say it in the time. I shouldn't I have showed you. That's on me. You you do that sometimes and then I'm like, oh, no. It's like the flight or flight response. I just like, nope, my, my brain just, it walks away. It's like, I'm not going to deal with that. So you can have fun. So in flight or flight you actually freeze. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, nope. Yeah. Oh, I'm not dealing with that today. Thanks. It's Me like, about any minor inconvenience. Oh, I'm just not dealing with that today. It's Thanks. like how when small children like stand fully in your view, but they like cover their eyes and they're like, you can't see me because I can't see you. That's my brain. Mm, yes. Yep. 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 Anywho, uh, are you ready to talk about our theme? Yeah. So we will be talking about this week's episode which is called Fury. It's episode 10 of season two, which we never discussed. No, I wow. didn't even write that down. It was uh, directed by Tim Andrew, who is one of the only two people we've decided is allowed to direct for Teen Wolf, the other being Russell Mulcahy, and written by Jeff Davis. So that's why it's good. It was a good episode. I yeah. was thoroughly entertained, and to the point where I was kind of shocked when it ended. You were like, oh, I forgot it ended like this. And I was like, it's what? <laughs> it's over. It happens really quickly. It's very well paced. Brilliantly. Yeah. yeah. Um... And we're going to be talking about this week's episode through the theme of revelation. It's the year of realizing stuff. Everybody is learning things. It's less about realizing, more about revealing. Yes. Because um, things aren't necessarily... I, I, I think we talked about this earlier in our pre-show. Like Things aren't necessarily being realized as opposed to they are being exposed. Yes, because the audience has done a lot of this realizing beforehand. And the audience had its year of realizing things way before the cast <laughs> yeah. of Teen Wolf. Um, so now it's just putting all of the pieces together for the rest of the characters in the show. Um, and introducing some like new conflict also, because technically, 
at the end of this episode, one of the main conflicts has been resolved, which is that of Matt controlling the Kanima to murder people. Um, so we need to introduce new stakes for the finale. The last two episodes. Yep. Yeah. Big, big things moving and shaking in Beacon Hills. All leading up to season three, <laughs> which we're so pumped to talk about. Yes. Um, where do you want to start? What do we feel like is the biggest revelation that occurs in this episode? I want to talk about Allison. Yes. Um, she doesn't get a whole lot of screen time because she is not uh, in the sheriff's station. She's separated from Scott until they meet up almost at the very end. And she goes through this huge shift um, of realizing that Derek is the one who essentially killed her mother. Really an interesting way to put it. Um, since her mom didn't have to die. Um, well, we discussed this last episode. I think Derek knew what he was doing. He knows the code. He knows the code, but I, I also think, I also think Derek knows the Argents enough to know that Victoria is a bit too would have followed the code. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's interesting from Allison's perspective because I think she's so immersed in like werewolves are good that she wouldn't necessarily understand. She would hope that her mom would be able to like talk to her or something. Like I would feel so helpless in that situation because Allison certainly would feel like her mom didn't have to die. Well, I think in instances of suicide, um, people who are close to the event and I'm clearly not a psychiatrist, but I think that this is like part of grief, especially in regards to that is, uh, people look for blame because they don't want to put it on the person that they loved because they love them and they don't want to think negative things about them in death. And like, they can't possibly like think that this is what they wanted for themselves. Like that's a really hard thing to come to terms with. And so Allison is seeking blame in other people. And Gerard gives it to her. Yeah. And Gerard leans her in that way. He manipulates her deeply. He uses that revelation that she's about to have in a way to, you know, suit the next terms of hunter werewolf engagement, which is bad. Yes. Because he's a bad person, as we know. He's a terrible person. He's a terrible person. Um, And Allison becomes pretty much the de facto decision maker of the Argent family now that her mom is gone. Yeah. I mean, and they even in the sort of last time on Teen, like whatever, whatever you missed on Teen Wolf, here's what you missed on previously on Teen Teen Wolf. Wolf, um, They do go back to that scene where they say that like the men are soldiers and the women are the decision makers or whatever that dialogue is Mm -hmm. to reiterate the fact that Allison is now that part of her family. Yeah. Um, It causes quite a stir up, and this is leading us up to really hating Allison like because she is making all of these choices that go directly against the show's protagonist the person that you're supposed to love more than anybody Scott McCall um how'd you feel about Allison and her revelations I think I mentioned this to you as we were watching this particular episode upon my first watch uh in high school during the social isolation part one (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) I really hated Allison and I couldn't understand how she could let that, you know, bigotry infect her. Um, And now as like a seasoned adult who knows exactly how people do get infected by hate, um, I get it. You know, she's lost her mom and like, 
it is such a shock, especially when you're that age, like, and obviously like people go through different things and like you can have situations where your parents are sick or whatever, but like to go through that age and think your parents are invincible and like all of a sudden not have her mother who has been, you know, uh, the rock of her family basically, because she is sort of the decision maker and, um, to no longer have her like Allison again, as I said earlier, is like looking for a place for blame. And as much as I find her actions in the next two episodes to be a little bit gratuitous and gross, like she stabs Isaac and like shoots the shit out of Erica and Boyd as they're running through the woods. It is something where you understand that she has been radicalized by pain, um, through the encouragement of the only figure she has left to rely on without her mother. So as much as I am, Uh, I find her decisions to be in poor taste. I also understand how she reached them through the revelation of Derek being the one to have bitten her mom and caused her death. Yeah. Allison's going through a lot, uh, in this episode. I mean, I still hate her at the end of the season, but I get why I hate her. And that's the point. It's understandable. And I do think that, um, it has been a real strength of the season. They have laid the groundwork for Allison to become this way because the entire season, she has been so uncertain about what to do, how to handle the murders that are happening. Um, you know, she wants to protect Scott, but she also feels like her group of friends couldn't possibly be the ones to fix this problem. And so by choosing her family, she is moving from like chaos to, I'm not going to call it normalcy, but like a streamlined path to results. She is going from uncertainty to certainty because she knows that her family will stop at nothing. And by her family, I do mean Gerard will stop at nothing to avenge the death of her mother or whatever she thinks his ambitions are, which of course we all know are not accurate, but we really see Allison falling. I don't want to say falling victim to, because I do think that she has some active choice in this. Like she has been radicalized, but she is making a decision. Um, but we see there's been the breadcrumbs of it throughout the whole season and you understand exactly how Allison ended up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's wild. And it's kind of intelligent on our Teen Wolf writers, not to give them any credit, because why would we ever <laughs> we do never that? do. We never do. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it, it is, it, it's interesting to think back on how much I hated her uh, now on, you know, this sort of more um, intellectual rewatch to no longer feel that way. Well, I think um, you and I both suffered from that I'm not like other girls phase. And I think this moment is like Allison doing something you would never do or you think you would never do. And so she's she's like the other girl. She's a, she follows along or whatever. But when you become an adult, you understand uh, if I were in her situation, I'd probably do something very similar. Like you want to distance yourself from Allison because you don't want to see yourself in her, mm-hmm. but it is completely logical. And uh, obviously like, you know, doing something similar does not mean killing people or hunting werewolves or whatever, but it is being, it is, you know, looking for a way to fix what has been broken in whatever mm-hmm. means possible. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm very firmly uh, anti-death penalty, for example. We have discussed. We have discussed. I'm very firmly... We here at the Teen Wolf Rule of our prison abolitionists. Hundo percent. But 
if I were in a situation where I had not already gone through like the moral reckoning that re- that that requires and like the moral uh, steadfastness that it requires to say that I am against the death penalty in every situation, if I had experienced uh, a situation where like someone I loved had been murdered, I might not feel that way. Yeah. And I also think about the way that I thought when I was 16 and how much more like I hate this word woke. Um, I have become. You grow and you change and you become, hopefully, fingies crossed, a better person. Um, so Allison is on her anti-hero journey at the moment. And we know she comes back into the fold, but it is really kind of sad to see at this point. I agree. Yeah. Should we move on? I mean, I love talking about Allison because yeah. women only. Also, Lydia's not in this episode. An abomination. Yeah. Erica's also not in this episode. An abomination. No baby werewolves. No Jackson because he is just the canima. Um, let's see. Who, let, what, where are you feeling? We go next. I think we have to talk about Derek and Peter. Ah, yes. That's, the, that's a, a huge revelation. The hail boys. Peter's back, baby. We knew he was last episode, but... Yes. I have a question. hmm Did Deaton wake Derek up with a dog whistle? Oh, yes. A hundred percent. Brilliant. <laughs> Which begs the question, does he just walk around with one all the time? As a vet, he might. I guess. But it's like a little necklace. I don't know. It's kind of fun. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, I, my, I used to know this old horse lady used to know i still know her just one of my she's old alive. yeah she's alive okay <laughs> she's just like an old you know if you're a horse girl you have there's like older horse girls who you know and she has like a, a sort of a, a zapper button like a remote control like one that kind of controls the like shock on her dog's collars so that like anywhere can be an electric fence and the other button is a dog whistle <laughs> that's fun yeah um yeah deaton deaton does wake derrick up with a dog whistle which i think is very funny. Um, they don't lean enough into the werewolf or werewolves or dogs um, aspect of it because they're trying to be like werewolves or human beings, which yes, they are. But it is funny. Yeah. Um, dogs are people too, Haley. <laughs> Sorry, we just watched Stick It. <laughs> yeah, we've been having some interesting movie nights. Um, oh my God. Yeah, and Deaton... Uh, Dean has a lot to say to Derek, including telling Derek that he's been a bad alpha, an ineffective alpha, um, and kind of revealing, I guess Derek was like too young to know Deaton before he left Beacon Hills, um, because Deaton says, oh, I made a promise to your mother that I would look after you. What a terrible job he's been doing, honestly. Um, and he basically... Uh, very cryptically is like, you need to go find Scott because he's the only person that should trust you and doesn't. Awkward. Yes. And, you know, it's funny because I think Derek does in part realize what's happening at its inception in the last episode. But he wakes up and he's like, that was real. Mm-hmm. It is true revelation to him that, that what he incurred was like, truthful it wasn't you know figment it wasn't um you know metaphorical in any way he now understands that like it is his power that was donated to bring peter back to life and in part Derek now is 
you know, guilty of bringing this evil force back in the world. Although Derek always trusts Peter without any reason. And that's like weird boy familial bond. Dudes are always like, what? That's my boy right there. Why don't you trust him? And you're like, cause he's wearing a hockey jersey to a party. Um, <laughs> reason enough to mistrust any reason man. enough. Yeah. Especially if it's not like their own personal hockey jersey that they use to play hockey. Oh, I actually think it's worse if they're wearing their own jersey. That's gross. Yeah. No, no, you, no, you, no. You misspoke, I think. Then. I did, yeah. Yeah, okay. I was like, why? They should not be wearing their own jersey. If you're wearing a Red Wings jersey, I'm like, all right, cool. But if you're wearing yeah. your own jersey, you're an asshole. Yeah. Um, well, and I think Derek is also kind of realizing all of uh, the mistakes he's made that led him to this part. Like, he was so focused on dealing with the Canama problem that he did not realize what was going on right under his nose with Peter trying to be resurrected. Um, he doesn't, he knows that Scott doesn't trust him, but he doesn't realize until just now how big of a problem that is. Um, Derek is like having some issues in this episode and then he doesn't really get to do anything when he gets to the sheriff station. Like he's had all these revelations and then he gets there and is immediately paralyzed by yeah. Jackson. In we in one way we can say he's he's paralyzed by this revelation. He is so struck by what happens to him he can't do anything about it. Oh ho ho. Very mm-hmm. smart. Um and even his action upon realizing what Peter has done, you know, he can't contribute to anything other than comedic effect. <laughs> yeah. He's very um, uh, impotent. Yeah. But it's interesting because I think that this particular revelation informs how Derek behaves for the next couple of seasons. I think this is what puts him back on the side of good in this season because after this, like he's still not the greatest guy, but he's still, I mean, I mean, he hears obviously what Scott says to Gerard and is betrayed. Um, but after kind of realizing what his sort of insolence can lead him to like his own self-righteousness and being like, I'm the alpha and like I run my own pack can lead him to like way greater danger. I think this revelation is particularly, particularly um, important in informing the rest of his character arc. I would agree, which is nice because Derek kind of transformed into being just like a complete jackass from season one to season two, and we didn't really get a whole lot of reasoning behind it. So it's nice to actually see a little bit of his thought processes yeah. in this episode. I also, on a real quick tangent, the um, primary figures we see besides Scott in the series who experience any kind of like... Lazarus moment are all in the Hale family. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. Like, cause Derek comes back in season five or six as the wolf wolf. Yeah. And Peter rises from the dead. And then we also see Talia like appear as a sort of like a Holy ghost type Force ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which like resurrection and like, like crucifixion have like a bunch of different moments where they show up in Teen Wolf. But it's interesting that the primary characters that they, um, fallen are the Hales until season six well the Hales are kind of uh the people who started all of this problem they are so central to the teen wolf mythology mm-hmm. um are we saying that Derek Hale is god. jesus oh <laughs> yes. yeah <laughs> well jesus is god you know the whole thing i don't understand religion you know, the father son and the holy ghost but they are all one holy trinity that thing okay so yeah. is <laughs> so Derek is the the Jesus is Jesus. So he's the son. And then Talia is the father. And then Peter's the Holy ghost. 
Yeah, I think the Holy Ghost is the more like nebulous of all of them. And who the fuck ever knows what's going on with Peter? <laughs> yeah, he's more like Judas, actually. <laughs> Judas. No. Judas, no. Um, sorry, that was a weird <laughs> side note. I like. I feel like I've only ever read the, any of the Bible like for English classes. And so I'm like, I think I know what I'm talking about. And then I don't. Uh, um, I mean, you... I think it's very applicable when Teen Wolf is just one of the things that gets lost kind of in the shuffle because there are a lot of other really interesting human moments to talk about. Yeah, true. And there's also other mythologies to draw upon. Like if we're being like critical of any kind of um, old time story bringing folklore, like Christianity is in a way, in the way we talk about Teen Wolf, also mythology. Yes, um, exactly. Uh, who do you want to talk about next? Hmm... Well, I feel like we're kind of moving from the outside of the sheriff station to the inside of the sheriff station. So we're talking about Scott? Yeah. Talking about Scott, talking about Styles, talking about the boys. The boys. The boys. Um, so we have said previously on this podcast and to each other frequently that Teen Wolf gets way better when the adults are involved in the shenanigans um, in ways that they can actually understand. And this is like the beginning because uh, Melissa sees Scott get shot in this she episode. Do. Which is brilliant acting from Melissa Ponzio. Which I actually, yeah. honestly, I, I think she is a mom. There's some things that like do require like a lot of substitution and like technique or whatever. But I think when you can really sort of materialize that feeling because you understand how afraid you are of it, like that is when kind of acting can be at its peak, which is, I think, what we saw with Crystal Reed in the previous episode and what we're seeing with Melissa Ponzio in this episode. Yes. Um, she does a great job. Um, and then Scott and Styles are, like, on a roll. After stumbling quite a bit in the first, like, not even half, the first three quarters of this season of... Uh, not having all the answers, trying and failing, um, not being able to come up with like concrete plans. They have finally figured out the answer and have been able to convince the sheriff that uh, their theory is correct, which is so validating for the two of them after like the debacle of kidnapping Jackson. And especially after what we saw in last episode where we see that Styles' greatest fear is his dad resenting him. And that's so clearly not the case in this episode. Yeah. Um, and what's really nice is that we we don't really have to have a moment of uh, the sheriff and Styles kind of coming together and be like, I'm sorry, I love you. I love you too, son. Like, Because that shit doesn't happen in the real world. <laughs> no. But Styles is so clearly trying to like win back his father's trust and love when he is showing him that he figured out that it's Matt. You know what I thought was brilliant? Hmm. And I know it's kind of a moment to be humorous, but when he's like, please trust me, and he's like, no, and he's like, well, trust Scott, and he goes, Scott, I trust, which is basically like being like, Styles, I don't trust you, but I do trust your judgment. Yeah, which is sweet. Yeah. Weird. But, but you don't trust your teenager, but you inherently have to trust their judgment. Like, my mom didn't trust me when I was 16, but she trusted me, she trusted my judgment not to do things that would kill me. And I didn't die, so ha ha. Ha. <laughs> I beat being 16. <laughs> Only to come around to the age of coronavirus. True. Do you ever think about the stuff you used to do when you were 16 that was like so dangerous and you were like, what am I going to do? Die? And then you reach 24 <laughs> and you're like, 
oh, I could die at any minute because there's a <laughs> pandemic. Oh, my God. Are you guys thinking about the pandemic constantly? Because we are. It is crazy how much of my thoughts it's occupying. But also, I can't go to work. So what else am I supposed to think about? It's funny because um, my desk is in the public affairs office. And so I really thought that by virtue of not being in the public affairs office, I'd just like be able to chill out and like not think about it so much. Wrongo. No. Nope. Still thinking about it just as much. I am anxious all the time. Yes. I'm, I, I, I said earlier, I'm Corona unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've turned to drinking. Yeah. We have. <laughs> Cheers. Should we do some asthma? Chin chin. You have to give me your glass oh, okay. before I Ready? Yeah. A little bit of Teen Wolf, Free Wolf. Oh, that was really loud. <laughs> Guys, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to clink so hard. Thank you. By the um, way, we're, we're drinking some wine. Yeah. What are you drinking, Julia? I'm drinking a rosé. A rosé? We're getting pretty excited for spring. Yes. It was so warm last weekend. Yeah, it was. Yeah. What are you drinking? This is Chardonnay. Nice. I never give up winter drinks. And why should you? Seasons mean nothing. Especially Time's when you live in the Midwest, when it could be any season at any time. Also, this is the end of days, so who cares? That's true. It snowed today and then immediately started raining. Yes. And so. then got kind of warm at the end of the day. Very strange. What? Who Chicago. knows? Who should we talk about next? Oh, gosh. Well, we've kind of talked about... Did we finish talking about Scott? No. Not really. We talked about Styles. Let's we talk did. about Scott a little bit here. Um... Oh, well, I think we, we probably need to touch on is Gerard and also Derek because, okay, those, those three all in a circle here. Um, so way back when, I don't know if you guys remember this, but, uh, Gerard stabbed Scott outside the hospital because he figured out that Scott was a werewolf. And I guess we were kind of meant to forget about this. Uh, or at least I know I did the first time I watched it because I was like, wait a minute, why is Scott working for Gerard? And I was like, oh, right, because he knows and he stabbed him and he was going to stab his mom. Um, but we find out, like, we have confirmation that the only reason that Scott joined Derek's pack uh, is because, or like the reason that Gerard knew where to show up is because Scott is feeding him information, which is crazy. And Derek finds that out too. Which is so interesting um, because it's not a deep revelation that Gerard was going to betray Scott. Like Scott should have anticipated that. And he obviously does because he switches Gerard's pills out for Mountain Ash in this episode. Yes. I have never understood how that worked, but we can get to it later. <laughs> he just copied the pill case. I feel like it's like old and silver. I don't know how simple that was. Um, but he knows that Gerard is going to betray him in some way. But my biggest, the biggest thing is that it's, that would be Siren number one. I am making a note for Paxton. In fairness, sirens have seriously decreased since we've all been in quarantine. People doing uh, either less stupid shit or being able to catch the stupid shit before it gets out of hand. Yes, people just can't burn their houses down. <laughs> when you're just microwaving meals that you bought, that you panic bought like two days <laughs> yeah, ago. People are actually like panic reading the Trader Joe's eating instructions. <laughs> They're like, wait, how do I make my cauliflower gnocchi? <laughs> like, well, maybe the fire department's just like not working. 
safe to assume that nothing is working right now. The world is broken. I did not realize how fake employment and money and time was until just now. Yeah. Stock market, not real. Not real. Figment of the man imagination. Yeah. My manager was like, nobody check your 401ks. And we were all like, we work retail. We don't have 401ks to check or be worried about. So, Sir, I'm not, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die. Exactly. Of coronavirus. <laughs> we sound so unhinged. And I know in a year I will listen to like our corona episode and be like, wow, it's still bad. Corona's still going on. <laughs> yeah. But also I feel like now that we've made the decision to go on hiatus until this is all calmed down for our mental health yeah probably a great thing because everyone's gonna be listening to this episode being like what is your problem we might put out some light bonus content uh, in the interim but guys i do not think the content we will be producing will be any kind of calming or fun or relaxing during your quarantines so we sorry apologize for that. it's just the chaos that we're feeling we're just transmitting it to iTunes. So you can yeah. feel it too. Yes. Well, I'm already, I'm sure they're already feeling it. Yes. Because today I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to podcasts and like calm myself down. And the first podcast that like was in my queue was the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text Corona update. And I was like, no, I'm sure Casper and Vanessa have such good things to say and like calming things, but I, that's not what I wanted. I just, I'm getting like too many Corona updates. I don't want to know what Madewell is doing. <laughs> To combat coronavirus, <laughs> close your stores. That's all I care about. In the words of my sister, I don't care what Vanguard is doing about coronavirus. I don't even care what they're doing with my money. It doesn't matter. It's all it's all fake. It's all fake. <laughs> Sorry, Derek. <laughs> this is really really unhinged. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> The whole scene, the whole scene where like Scott confronts Gerard and then they both kind of run in opposite directions. It's like a little noises off kind of, but it's this beautiful shot of like, they're both walking in separate directions. I don't and think then... noises off registers to people who aren't us. <laughs> Everybody watched noises off. It is uh, a delightful film. It will make you laugh. And then if you have the opportunity to like see it in a, an actual, uh, theater where people are, it's doing a farce about theater. Yes. Um, Oh my god! I that whole thing where like if you guys have seen it and you know the part where the actress like loses her contact and they're all on the floor looking for it, and she's like, "Oh, I found my contact!" Like, where is it? It was in my eye. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. Um, so anyway, Derek, we realize that Derek has been listening into this entire exchange because it kind of pans out and he's like standing um at the edge of the corner in this very beautifully lit moment where he like looks like Batman. It's a lot great. of parts of this episode are way too dark, but that was like dark in the good way. Yes, because he has like a frown and he's clearly really upset and he doesn't really know what to make of the exchange he's just heard. Because I do think that Derek is like smart enough to understand that everybody is playing multiple angles. Um he just didn't expect it to come from Scott. Mm-hmm. Because Scott is the least likely person in the show to play the double agent. And in fact, he doesn't actually ever really play it ever again after the season. Well, and you you get so little screen time of him doing that. Like, I remember when I was watching this for the first time, I was taken aback by that exchange because I had completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember watching this again and being like, oh, wait, I have to remind myself um, because Scott must be terrible at playing a double, like he's smart enough to pull it off, but I'm sure it makes him deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Poor baby. But yeah, Derek is like 
everything is being revealed to Derek in such a way that he realizes he needs to be a, a better person. Well, it also becomes clear that Derek is the victim of all of his, all of his revelations in this episode, where as opposed to like Allison, who's empowered by her revelation and like takes action. Whereas Derek has no choice, but to again is paralyzed and then can't do anything in that moment because what does he do? Come charging in and assault Scott or Gerard. Like it's not uh, like logistically advantageous for him to do that. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but he is having to, try to figure out how to deal with both Scott and Gerard and Peter is back. What the hell does that mean? The show got a lot more handsome. <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> um, so Gerard is kind of the linchpin of all of this because he incites Allison's uh, decision to become the Argent matriarch essentially is, is what happens there. He checks in with Scott uh, and betrays him. And then he kills Matt at the end of this episode. And we kind of see what he's been working towards in a really gruesome way. Oh, it's horrific. I mean, I think there's something to be said about like taking lives in fictional media, which happens in every show. Uh, But when you know, depict taking a life with a gun very common for American media. Ha <laughs> It's you don't get the sort of like light leaves their eyes type of deal, but mm-hmm. to drown someone and do it with them facing you is despicable. It's deeply personal. And it tells you that Gerard has taken the life of a human being more than once, a non werewolf human being the way that he does it so comfortably. Which, yeah. like, we knew Gerard was a sociopath, ugh, but, like, <laughs> well, uh, the on-screen confirmation is upsetting. I think that's something that we see when, uh, forgive me, but, like, when we see mass shootings is people think it's, like, a video game. It's so depersonalized to shoot something at someone because uh, it kind of feels like you're not entirely responsible for what's happening, but when you drown someone, which is what Gerard does and also happens to be the thing that Matt is most afraid of, which Gerard has to know. Um, because he says you're no longer afraid of water to the canima at the point when the canima is now on Gerard's control. Yeah. Um, which like, is the canima some sort of elder wand situation? I guess. Well, the canima seeks the master. If you kill the master, I guess you get to be the new one. So it is the elder wand. Yeah. Not to give JK Rowling any credit or whatever, but who, who should we give credit to? I'm sure that was taken from something else. Yeah. Um, it all sounds actually really Lord of the Rings, if you ask me. Yeah, it does. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, and like... That's what we should do during quarantine. Watch all extended of the extended editions. editions. Yes. That is an entire day affair. If you also watch The Hobbit, which you shouldn't because it's terrible. It's bad. Peter Jackson... It's not his fault. It's not his fault. Dude, anybody can sell out for anything. Yeah. New Line... New Line sold out. That is a bonus episode in the making, but we'll get there eventually. <laughs> um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really intense moment. Also, a little unbelievable. Um, but... We're, Gerard is just like the f- evil mastermind of all of this. And, and he has like the double... The, the added knowledge of having access to the bestiary, which is what Matt is after in this episode to find out why he is becoming the Canima. Gerard clearly knows because of his bestiary that if he kills Matt, 
he gets to have Jackson. That's true. I do want to make a quick note on that as far as like revelation is concerned is that we do come to the conclusion that Matt would would become a canima if he like uses the canima in a way that it goes against its rules, which is very like Star Warsian as far as like the universe getting even. Um that is something that I wish had been gotten its own episode. Oh, what Mother Nature writing itself? Like Matt being afflicted by Canima ness. Yes. Well, because this episode is really action packed and like we were saying, it's really tight. It's really well paced. Um, so we don't get to kind of live in that moment of Matt's fear of becoming the Canima. And we don't know kind of what the repercussions would be. Would there then just be two Canimas? Would Jackson be able to be a werewolf? Like we don't know. Um, and I don't think the writers were prepared to answer that for us. Which is why they did. (laughs) Got it. Cool. Again, Jeff Davis, we have so many questions Mm -hmm. and he's not on Twitter. They could have made a 13th episode. It would have been very spooky because 13 is a spooky number, but they did not. You know, this past Friday was Friday the 13th. Yes. I did. And that's when my work decided to close. Very spoopy indeed. Yes. That's when everybody decided to close. They're like, mm, now seems like a good time to give up. Yeah. Now now seems like a we should do it before the governor decides that uh, we're going True. To and then the governor decided anyway. He was like, do not go out to the bars. Is that where our governor talks? No. He, J.B. Pritzker is like a, a large and in charge man. He has oh, a... Because Gretchen Whitmer, our governor of Michigan, is like... We're going to fix the damn roads. The damn roads. Look, if anybody... She has the best Michigan accent I've ever heard. I uh, was sold. I mean, I was going to vote for her anyway because she was a Democratic nominee for governor. But as soon as she was like, we're going to fix the damn roads, I was like, yeah, you're damn right we are. Damn right we have not fixed the damn roads. But no. I like the sentiment. Yeah. But also, she's worried. there's way bigger fish to fry right now than the roads. We can't even go outside, let alone drive. So. Her heart is in the right place. It super is. Um, can you tell we are from Michigan? And I'm so from Michigan. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there anybody else that you want to talk about in terms of revelation? People who are having revelations? I think we should touch on Melissa a little bit. I don't <sighs> think she, she does not get the full revelation. I think until the next episode as to what she is dealing with, but seeing her son get shot and then seeing Derek come in in werewolf form and seeing Scott in werewolf form. in werewolf form fully. Yeah. Um, it must be incredibly traumatizing for her. And I just want to say, honestly, seeing Scott in werewolf form probably has nothing on the shock she would experiencing of seeing him not dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is one of the moments where, like, it's so hard to watch that scene because her reaction to Scott's face is to, like, she backs away from him in her cell and she starts crying and she's covering her face. Like she just can't believe what she's seeing. Like, I think she is so completely in shock, which is something she mentions earlier in the episode. She's like, Scott, you're not okay. You're in shock. That's why you feel okay. Um, she's just so overwhelmed by all of the new information that's being given to her. And I think Melissa Ponzio is doing an excellent job, um, with that, emotion because I think what you want from that moment uh instead of her shrinking away from her son I think you want her to reach out to him but that's just so impossible in that moment yeah she's doing her best 
And I think it's really common in a lot of like teen supernatural media for the parent to like see their child as their true selves, quote unquote, and then be like repulsed in some way. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what she's experiencing. No, Um, I just think she's terrified. Yeah. She's all of a sudden understanding that Scott's life is way beyond what she could have ever predicted it to be. You know, when she goes to stupid Allison's mom and is like, our kids are sleeping together. Like, that's her biggest concern. It's like teenagers having sex. Guess what? Teenagers, they be having sex. But like, to all of a sudden understand there's life and death situations that Scott deals with every day, which I don't even necessarily know if that was her initial conclusion upon seeing that. But understanding that his life extends so much farther than where she could even have imagined is a deeply disturbing revelation, especially as a mother. Yeah, and especially as a mom who clearly prides herself on having such a good relationship with Scott, which is something that we've seen over and over again. Like, he loves his mom, and he doesn't... I love his mom. Who does not love Mama McCall? If you don't love her, stop listening to this podcast. Yeah, you're not allowed. (laughs) You're not welcome here. Um, And I think that, like, they both pride themselves on their relationship and the way that they rely on each other because his dad is not in the picture. And... um, to have that moment of realization that her son has been keeping these things from her is overwhelming. Yeah. And also to think that there are things that you can't protect your child from, I think as a mom is really upsetting. Probably one of the hardest things you have to come to terms with me. Not, not a mom, but I can imagine. But no, but you know, when there are points in your life when your mom came to that conclusion and you saw it because it is such a crazy thing to experience, you know? Well, I mean, it's like when, if you are a mom of a daughter, and your daughter gets assaulted, there was nothing you could do about that. And you knew that there was a likelihood that that might happen. Um, yeah. Or even something less dramatic than that. I mean, like when your kid gets like really seriously hurt for the first time, which kids be getting hurt. Like it is (laughs) like, you can't always protect your kid from falling off the chairlift or falling off their bike or getting hit by a classmate or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. There are certain things that like you want to believe would never happen to your kid, but are going to happen to them because life sucks. It does Not suck. like life sucks, but like life is inevitable, I mean. Things happen all the time. Things be happening, like coronavirus. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're getting a little fatalistic here, and it's have... just because we're pretty sure we're going to die. Just like every time we say coronavirus, we should just have that like air going, it's like... Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should tell everybody in the wolf pack to do a shot every time we say coronavirus. You will die. You'll die. Take a sip every time. (laughs) Take a sip every time we say corona. If we say coronavirus, you have to take a shot. How about that? Yeah. The Dean Wolf Rewolfing game for the foreseeable future. Let us know. I feel like we could do a a great um, Rewolf drinking game. Yeah. Let us know if you want us to like release some small drinking game rules before each episode because we'll think about it and we'll do it. Or even just like for the old episodes that you want to do through coronavirus because you're in your house and have (laughs) nothing else to do. I swear to God, the craziest thing about everybody hoarding for this uh, pandemic is that the alcohol aisles still seem really (laughs) well stocked. Yeah. Get some wine. You guys are going to need it. I tweeted this today, but oh my God, the woman who was in Trader Joe's this morning with nothing in her cart when she was checking out but toilet paper and five bottles of champagne. I see you and I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. I, but also, if you're drinking five bottles of champagne, you're going to need that fucking toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
was that was what we did tonight. We at Wolfpack. I would like to let you in on our tradition, which is stolen from my my wonderful stepfather, who will order pizza and uh, serve us all prosecco, and we'll have pizza and prosecco nights, and we watch usually a movie, but sometimes when there's a good episode of Teen Wolf or a really bad episode of Teen Wolf, we pizza and prosecco it. We so. do. That's what was tonight. But also, like, I think pizza and prosecco is happening anyway tonight because coronavirus. <laughs> Oh, coronavirus, that's a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anybody else you want to talk about in terms of Revelation? Anybody kind of small that we missed? Well, Peter. Peter, does Matt do any realizing? Not really. Matt just needs to go to McFreakin' therapy. <laughs> I mean, he can't because he's dead. But Oh, yeah, he died. If he that's right. were Don't alive, feel bad. He killed a lot of people. He should go to therapy. Well, I, we could talk about it in Q's and O's. But, um... No, I mean, Peter is, Peter doesn't have a huge function in the next, uh, until season three, um, because he's incredibly weak, because he was just dead, um, and he is no longer, he is recently undead, but he is, he knows that Gerard is the new master of the Canima, and knowledge is power. True. It, knowledge is power, particularly for Peter, that's his whole ish, is that his, Primary superpower is being really smart. That is what Deaton specifically warns Derek about. It's not it's not Peter's physical prowess because he won't have that back for what seems like months mm-hmm. um, in the Teen Wolf universe. But he will try to manipulate Derek. And Deaton is super vague about what he's going to manipulate Derek into doing. Deaton is king of being a vague bitch. Like, he <laughs> never gives anybody as much information as they need or deserve at any given time. So it is that's not almost unshocking. the end of season two, and he's just now like, I knew your family. Don't know what impression that was. It was not Deaton, but I did not try at all, so who can say? So it was some little Johnny Depp. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if that was a compliment, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think... Everybody, everybody be, um, reacting to things that they are realizing that are being revealed. Isn't that the theme of revelation right there? Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, like, clearly, like, Peter gets information that is going to help him. Uh, I wish that Lydia was in this episode in any capacity because she be she is the ultimate revelator as the harbinger of death in this show. She be yes. revelating everything. I do think the um because it is basically a bottle episode, I'm kind of glad she wasn't there just because there are a lot of players on the board already. Um and it kind of allows us to focus on Matt, which I mean the whole episode really is about Matt. It is the revelation of, like, what happened to Matt and, like, how he became, um, you know, how he was murdered or whatever. Who killed me first? Which is, like, oh, so dumb. It is really dumb, but also, like, I think that the Teen Wolf writers do try to tell us that Matt is way off base with his sort of um, experience. Yes. I don't think that they sympathize with Matt for having suffered. I mean, they they sympathize with him for having suffered that trauma, which is why I think that he is ended in the same way that he, 
um, sort of became this evil person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also do make it a little clear that, like, Matt is deeply unhinged and never dealt with that childhood trauma, which can turn you into a crazy person later in life, as we all know. <laughs> and it's also something that he uh, internalized in a way that was completely out of proportion. It's a terrible, terrible thing to happen to you. Um, but also, I, I think it's really interesting because considering, like, the gravity of some of the other things that have happened in Teen Wolf. Like Matt murdered a woman who just gave birth by like smothering her to death. And Isaac uh, was locked in a freezer by his dad and regularly abused by him. So I think like juxtaposing those um, it Pete, like Derek and Peter's entire family almost was burned alive in a fire. Um, when the big reveal happens, I think it's a little bit of a letdown. Almost, but it's one of those things where I think, you know, like, it's, he was rotten to begin with. Like, I don't think that Matt was ever going to be a good person and that trauma manifested in the evil part of him as opposed to the good. Mm. And I think, I think about this episode of Doctor Who all the time because I'm like always thinking about Doctor Who because I'm like the world's biggest nerd. But in the second episode of Matt Smith's first season, like Amy says something about the star where star whale where she's like mm. all of that pain and suffering and it just made him kind. And you do see that with many of the characters in Teen Wolf, where, like, Styles has endured immense trauma. Scott has yeah. endured immense trauma. Even, you know, physical abuse at the hands of his father, at, which we, you know, realized in, I think, season four. Um, and Isaac has, like, uh, uh, all of these people have had these horrible things happen to them, happen to them in their lives and have, instead of feeling victimized by them, gone on to inform them to live lives that don't hurt other people. And Matt is somebody who wasn't able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the downside to that is that it's hard to see Matt, um, to empathize with Matt at all. Cause he's 40. Cause he's 40. <laughs> okay. We looked it up and the actor was like 21 at the time of filming this season, but I swear to God that guy was 40. <laughs> yeah. 40. Um, and I think like with, so going forward into season three, when the cause of like Deucalion's blindness is revealed, you have empathy for him because he didn't start out that way. Um, and I think also because Deucalion is such a good villain. Yeah. He's such a good villain. Yes. Thank you. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, So are we saying if Matt was hotter, we'd sympathize with him? Possibly. Who's to say? Who could never be sure? Who could know? But I do think that like the reveal, um, and his entire behavior, we don't really get very many humanizing moments for him. Nope. Nope. We just know he's a stalker. If Matt wasn't a stalker, I actually think we'd sympathize more with him. But as a woman, I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 ma'am. Well, what's really interesting about that is I think they wanted to like draw attention to the fact that uh, his camera is the vehicle of death for all of these people because he takes a picture of them and he thinks bad thoughts about them and Jackson kills them. So I think they wanted us to be wary of his camera beforehand by having him stalk Allison, but it was just like this extra added layer of sliminess that we just didn't need. And then he's like, if I can't have her, no one can. 
Uh, gross. I really am disgusted by the fact that he was self-aware of how gross that sentiment was. Yes. I would have way rather them have thought a different way to be like, you know, I'm not one of those if I can't have her, no one can. But then he would say something, you know, equally as creepy, but not as trite to be like, but we belong together. Yeah. There's, there's no moment. Um, he is not charming or clever or interesting in any way. He's just slimy and weird. And that is the big problem with season two is that the villains are nowhere near as charming or interesting as Peter. No, they are, as we say in the industry, uh, a big bag of dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Not a big bag, but a big bag of dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Of dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Are we done revelating stuff? Yeah, I think we were kind of going. The book of revelations (laughs) has been written. It is closed. It's closed. The chapter is over. But I think we, I think this was good. I think we really, this is another episode, like as we discussed in uh, our episode previous, like it takes Lydia's party to get us to the rest of the season. And without Lydia's party, we would not be having these big reveals. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, as frustrating as some of it is, I think a lot of it is very satisfying too. Oh, this episode was so good. Mm -hmm. We had so much fun. Yeah. We really enjoyed it. Which we rarely come into this episode being like, we had a great time. Mostly we're like, this episode sucked and here's why. (laughs) But Jeff Davis. But it also reminds me of the reason why like you do love Teen Wolf and you like surf through the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. Because there are some really standout moments and it's really consistent performances by a lot of the actors. It's consistent some it's of the actors. <laughs> some of the actors. And I'm yeah. not going to say it's consistent writing, but it is moments of like really good writing. And it's funny because I'm what I, I, as most people know, I'm rewatching through Mad Men for the third time. I don't need to be, <laughs> but I am. But I, even then I'm like, oh, this episode was so boring. Oh, this episode sucked. And the next episode will be so good. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's not a symptom of Teen Wolf. That's a symptom of all television and all art is that you do sometimes have to like schlog through the like filler or you know the exposition to get to the stuff that like really hits you yeah and we've had two phenomenal episodes in a row that's now gonna beget the next two episodes into the best season of teen wolf season Season three three. um (laughs) what do we do after season three do we just quit right then and there complain (laughs) um more i mean coronavirus could kill us so who's to say if we'll even get that far wouldn't it just be pathetic if this is the last piece of media we produce? <laughs> I feel like this is a good episode. What are you talking about? No, I I agree. But you know how it's like the in memoriam. Yeah. In the arms of the angel. Don't make me hate you. <laughs> so yeah. anyway. Um, Do you want to move to the Q's and O's? Sure. I don't think I have... I had a question. Which was? Don't know what it I like forgot entirely because I was not taking notes on my notepad. Like a bad person. I kind of have a question. Shoot. Here's my cue. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't Allison tell Scott why she's after Derek? Oh, yeah. We were talking about this. Um, I think Allison, for the most part, is filled with a white hot rage during this episode. Very hot. <laughs> oh, Allison, very sexy. It also kind of looks like her hair got even darker, but I know she did not have time to dye it. I just think it's the lighting, um, but it makes her look so much more severe. And um, I, I mean, I really don't know because Scott doesn't know that Victoria is gone. No, 
He would have no, he would have no way of knowing. He would have no way of knowing. And Allison hasn't reached out to him. And I think, honestly, I think it's because of what Chris says to her before they go out. And she says to Gerard, I want Derek dead. And, uh, Chris is like, okay, that's a slippery slope because, you know, like Derek is an innocent, but also Scott isn't innocent because he was there and he let it happen. Although Chris, how do you know what happened? You don't. Well, um, uh, uh, oh, Victoria probably told him. Yeah, but. I think he does now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but does he know that Victoria was trying to murder Scott and that's why? Uh, I actually think he probably does. Yikes. He forgives a lot of bad behavior. <laughs> he really does. Um, but I mean, he says to Allison, he's like, where do you draw the line? Just because you love Scott doesn't mean that, like, you can automatically excuse him. And I think that Allison must be thinking about that. Like, in what way is Scott complicit in her mom, her mom's death? Yeah, I mean, I think that is interesting. Um, but she doesn't, I think if she felt he was complicit or responsible, she would address it. Yeah, but, I mean, well, one, like, it's just not the time, like, people were shooting machine guns into the police station and she's really focused on like getting Derek or getting the Canima or whatever. Um, and you know, a five second conversation, but also like if you open the, the worms hole, the wormhole of my mom is dead, like that would stop the episode in its tracks. So it might just be a mechanical problem, but it is weird. I mean, then maybe by extension, uh, does Scott know that Derek bit her? He was so incapacitated at yeah. the time that Derek entered. There's no way, right? Uh, yeah. But also, I mean... But like, does Allison think that Scott knows? This just turned into three questions in one. I don't think... Well, I don't think Allison knows, and I'm not sure if she ever knows, that Al, that her mom tried to kill Scott. Because he gets asked about it very specifically. Like, someone, and I think it's Styles, is like, why don't you tell her what Victoria tried to do to you? And Scott's like, I couldn't, like, ruin the memories that she has of her mom like that because Scott is Scott such is a good person. Angel, angel <laughs> oh my boy. gosh, Scott McCall. We um, should all be so lucky to know him. Truly. Um, yeah. I mean, well, so Allison never really knows, or maybe she does before she does. I, I cannot remember, but if she doesn't know that Scott was completely incapacitated by Wolfsbane, she might think that he is somehow complicit. I also think that Scott, Probably not that he wouldn't care that Derek bit her, but I think he would understand. Yeah. Well, like I think when we were talking about this earlier and I said that Derek knew you had the point that Derek could have been completely like at that point zonked. And yeah, well, because that whole room was filled with Wolfsbane. Yeah. So I think that even if Scott was tentative about believing whether or not he chose to kill her, uh, he would probably go for the side of no, he didn't because uh, he knew how it felt to also be in that room. Yeah. Well, and I also think like, I mean, Derek doesn't have the, a grudge against Victoria specifically. Um, I mean, kind of. Yeah. She, I, she's an urgent. I think his whole grudge is over their family because I, cause we talk about like, Oh, Kate was the one Kate was the one. I highly doubt that Kate, killing his family was there for his first run in with the Argents and particularly like Chris and Victoria and Kate. But we'll never know. Prequel spinoff, please, for the love of God. No, I don't want that. I just want Team Wolf to come back for like a little wrap up. 
They tried. Season 6A was the wrap-up, and then they did 6B, and we were like, is there more? <laughs> Hold on. Put a coda on it. End it. A la New Girl. Six episodes. That's it. Again, but 6A would have been... Yeah. It would... It was, well, but then they were like, we just ha- kidding. We have like a year before we get to season six, so we should not be worried about it yet. Buckle up, children. Buckle up, Wolfpack. Do you have any questions? Did you think of any questions while we were talking about Allison? No, I think this episode was really straightforward. It was. I was not confused on anything, no. except for that thing. Uh, do you have any O's you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, Observations, if you will. I think it's like... I don't know, it's kind of rude to assume that Melissa McCall would not wear a waterproof mascara because when she starts crying about the fact that Scott's been shot as you would if you were a mom, there's just like black mascara running all down her face. And I know that it is the makeup department. And who recently, uh, I feel like it was on an episode of Love is Blind or something that like they clearly put extremely water soluble mascara on some woman like someone in makeup made that choice and I just think it's inaccurate well I may be out of character but I also understand the makeup department's commitment to the aesthetic yes but we could we could tell she was crying anyway that just kind of bothered me um beep beep Scott's wearing a truly horrible shirt it's really bad because it was an ugly button down before they were like ironically cool and I'm like Tyler Posey now wearing that button down would be like pretty good looking but like in that it's not even there's no French tuck (laughs) it's just like poorly fitting over his khakis (laughs) yeah um this entire episode place takes place at nighttime in the dark which is becoming de rigueur for Teen Wolf like it's Lots of things always happen in the dark. Um, but there are frequently whole episodes that happen at nighttime. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of easing into that. And I really liked the scene where Allison is just clearing out her room. I liked it too. I thought it was a really effective portrayal of grief, of trying to like cleanse yourself of all of the sentimental things that you hold on to. Um, marking her transition from being like a girl to being a military leader, which is essentially what she becomes. It's funny because I don't even necessarily see it as that as I do see it as like a forced change in somebody who like can't be feeling what they're feeling and then chooses to become something else, which is I think part of what Allison does where she's like, my past is behind me because that is the part of my life that hurts too hard to think about because my mom's no longer there and therefore I must transition. Yeah, and I I think that that's why that scene is really effective. She's getting rid of anything that might um, keep her from becoming that person. Yeah. Um, Not necessarily a person we like or enjoy, but it is a deep transition. Yeah, well, and I think Allison views it as necessary. Which I think it actually is necessary for Allison. I think Allison Mm -hmm. does need to kind of spiral and then later regroup and apologize. Yeah, because at this point in her life, and we saw in the party guest episode where her nightmare is herself and the fact that she can't uh, rely on her own prowess for help. She's always yelling for help. Mm -hmm. And this is like her taking an even bigger step into being able to self-advocate, which um, does not always go the way that we, the audience would like it to go, but ultimately lands her in a good place. Yes. Season three, Allison is great. Yeah, short hair Allison is the best. Short hair Allison, her whole thing with Isaac, very sexy. Yeah, baby. They would have the squarest faced children on earth. 
Truly. A lot of square faceage in there. Do you have some O's to share with our captive or perhaps have walked away from this podcast audience? Yeah, they're like, I'm done thinking about Corona. Um, I don't have a lot of O's. I, I again agree with you that this this uh, episode was really straightforward. I think most of my O's were revealed in our conversation about Revelation. Always nice when we can tie it into the theme. The theme, capital T. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, really hot moment when the sheriff rips the handcuff thing off the wall. Let's talk about Lyndon Ashby. <laughs> just one, just one real quick second. Lyndon <laughs> Ashby uh, is hot. Is hot. He's also maybe the like, can, most consistently hot character in the show. Most consistently hot gives the most consistent performance outside of Dylan O'Brien. I think. Yes, I agree. Um, And we love him. And we have theater school to back that up. (laughs) Yes, so we're not talking out of our asses on that one. No, and I I mean, I'm always sentative to, like, review anybody's acting performance because it's so subjective and, like, my style is never going to be what somebody else's style is, but, like, Lyndon Ashby hit something where I'm like, that's real good. Well, and I I mean, I also think that if you're... uh, Dylan O'Brien, I think, is exceptionally talented, but also, like, if you're playing a role like Styles... You have a lot of comedy to work with. He was so funny in this episode. Okay, I'll go back to my O's. Yeah. Styles, so funny. Hilarious. Very small, steric moment. Can't believe we did not bring that up. No, I don't want to talk about it. Um, Why do we even buy into talking about it when neither of us like it? No, we've we've talked about it enough. You know where we stand. Uh, It's not worth mentioning. For us. Or you. I was really trying to couch it, but... What excuse? Yeah, no, that's how we feel. Um, there's plenty of fan fiction on the internet. We are not here to provide that for you. Um, we shouldn't even be providing the analysis. True. Um, anyway, no steric. 2K20. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 2K for the rest of time. <laughs> 2K for the rest of forever. Um, yeah, Styles was very funny. I, mean, I like. I think that. Styles is one of those really interesting characters where he is very funny, but he also just has like a tremendous amount of trauma to be working through. And so I think that it's a little bit easier to be delivering a consistent performance when you have such a strong sense of who that character is. And Scott is a little bit of a Mary Sue. Not a Mary Sue, but doesn't necessarily like Scott has, uh, Scott has, is, is too well adjusted. (laughs) Yeah, he's remarkably well adjusted. Yeah, like his trauma has been processed and therefore he doesn't have to bring it up through humor, which like we don't understand because all of our trauma comes through in humor. Like how we've been talking about coronavirus (laughs) the whole whole episode. That's another shot, ladies. Are you on the floor yet? Man, they stopped listening half an hour ago. (laughs) All right, are you ready to wrap this episode up with our pack stats? Yeah. Hit Um, me. Okay, shockingly, one siren... For this entire episode, I don't know if you noticed that, probably, because we did not comment on the sirens, except for that one But time. I truly think that quarantine is keeping people safe in well, uh, ways more than just not contracting a pandemic disease. You, I think your, like, pa- paranoia about the pandemic extends to other things. Be like, gotta watch the pasta so it doesn't boil over. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we had five eyes, lots of Canama eyes. Um, Derek, like, standing very hulkily in the background and glowing, uh, towards Scott McCall. And, and then, like, the final eye reveal when Scott looks up at his mom and you see his beautiful eyes. Um, one clause when Derek is trying to dig into his thigh, gross, um, to trigger the healing 
process, two shirts off. Um, three guesses as to whom I'm not going to give them to you. It's Jackson and Derek because they are always naked. Um, and Me then, too. <laughs> relatable. Um, and then the one ad that I had down, which is a, a Teen Wolf fave, Samsung. True. Them Samsung phones. Nope, it switches to Nokia in uh, season True, three. True, with that weird ass camera phone. phone. Yeah. yeah. I love how you went camera phone and I went yellow phone. <laughs> well, it's funny because I think for a lot of us, we were like, Nokias are a thing of the past. They're those weird, indestructible, like keypad phones that you can't text on. We and could drop it out of our third story, story window. window. And, be good. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they showed up in Teen Wolf being like, this is the best camera phone's ever had. And we were like, Nokia? What? <laughs> what? Did you ever see a couple of years ago, someone made like a parody, um, ad for the razor coming back, like the Motorola razor. Uh, yes I did. Yeah. I got so excited. I was so upset that it wasn't a real one. Did you have, did you have a Motorola razor? No, I wanted one so badly though. Like the, all of the clips. What What was your first phone? Remember when all phones had different names because there was more than one? <laughs> I feel like I just had a, a Nokia flip phone. Um, it was very, it didn't have an antenna. It was just like a little little clamshell. Just oh. yeah, it wasn't fancy or special. Mine yeah. was an Envy, so it had a keyboard, Ooh. which was very cool. That is very cool. And to this day, I still think it is the best phone I've ever owned. I had to because I could throw my iPhone out the window because it's <laughs> infuriating. I had to press four times to get to S on my first phone, so can't relate but i did have one of those um phones that like slide up not a sidekick i wish Um, we all wish (laughs) we always but i did have one of those ones that slid up and had a full keyboard Keyboard. and a really really terrible touchscreen and then one time i shoved my id card into my backpack and severed the power strip that connected the two parts of the phone (laughs) (laughs) i think i broke my envy because i dropped it on the sidewalk i think i like got angry and like because like it might by the time my envy died it wouldn't make calls anymore Mm -hmm. and i was just like i didn't throw it but i was like oh and it fell and then the two pieces fell apart and I was like, that would be on me. And I was like, well, maybe I can get an iPhone now. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I got an even shittier phone next. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Uh, I know I started this episode being like, Oh, Gen Z and TikTok, like Gen Z. I love you. You guys are revolutionaries or whatever, but Oh my God, you have no idea. <laughs> You'll never know the pain of having to press the button four times to get an S. Or even just not having a touch screen or an or an iPod without a touch screen. Yeah. I mean My first iPod was an iPod mini passed down to me from my sister and uh it, it, I I think it had like twenty songs on it because that was how many songs <laughs> you could have. <laughs> to be quite honest though, I do kind of miss the days when I could not access the internet on my phone because I think I'd be a significantly like less happier anxious. person. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think I'd be way happier. I also kind of miss the days where like my um like music life wasn't dictated by like not LimeWire. <laughs> R.I.P. LimeWire. Does it still exist? No. no. Man, I put so many viruses on the family computer <laughs> with that shit. Oh, yeah. If um, you're a millennial and you're feeling any kind of nostalgic, hit us up. And if you're Gen Z and you want to know all about this time, gather around, children. We'll tell you all about it. Yeah, we'll have a little fireside chat. Um, I feel like this is fireside chats, but for people who liked Teen Wolf. We get Aww. together, we reveal some trauma, we <laughs> talk about coronavirus, we, that's another shot, we talk about Teen Wolf, 
What a lovely comparison to be making. I was just thinking, like, in... This is such a long episode, but I do want to wrap on this note. Like, I was just kind of thinking about our wolf pack and, like, our response and, like, the people who DM us after episodes or reply to our episode threads. And I just, like... It is clear that there is, like, a community of people who are very, like, smart and brilliantly minded and, like, kind to love Teen Wolf. And, like, I'm happy to be a part of that. Co-signed. Co-signed. I love that. And we're going to really miss you guys during this hiatus. I'm so sorry that we can't be podcasting. What? Do you have an Alpha of the Week? Fuck! <laughs> sorry, I, was, I mean, <laughs> ah, fuck. No, I, was, I wasn't sure if you were, like, gonna get there, and I, like, no. ruined your uh, My Alpha of the but... Week is totally the sheriff. Can I say no one? Sure. I don't think anyone acts particularly admirably in this I'm just thinking about the sheriff, sheriff uh, one, believing Scott and Styles, and also ripping the, like, cement yes, out of the wall. true. If I had to pick one, I would pick the sheriff, but I do think that everybody is just, like, being their own weird secret agent in this episode, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. So. But the only person who doesn't have an agenda is the sheriff. True. He is the hero of the episode. We love him. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I got really sappy and then had to go back to Teen Wolf time. But anyway, we love you guys. We, we're really going to miss you. I'm sorry that we're not going to be able to record. Again, we will maybe try to put out some bo- quick bonus content. We really appreciate your understanding. Um, and we hope you guys are staying safe. And like, obviously, you understand us if we understand you correctly. And the fact that we're all kind of quarantined. Like, me and Julie are going to be apart for these next little bit. These next couple of weeks, actually. Um, Tragic. Because I, as I said earlier, I'm corona unemployed. <laughs> so uh, we just want you guys to be happy. Like, take care of each other. Socially isolate or whatever it is. Socially distance. Self-isolate. Yeah. Those are the terms. Um, and catch up on The Rewolf. Catch up on your favorite books. Read, you know, things you never thought you would read. Watch movies that are classics that you never watched. Like, you know, there's always movies that you've just never seen, even though they're like quote unquote classics. So, okay. Some of them you don't need to see for sure. Yeah. But, um, but if, if you, you want recommendations, we're here for you. And we would love recommendations from any of you guys if you are watching, reading, anything interesting listen to yeah and i said this on twitter today if you guys uh want to be included in maybe like a teen wolf group chat on twitter where everybody during the hiatus can talk about teen wolf or whatever other like teen media you want to engage in or even just random stuff like we're all really looking for community at this point like please dm us and we'll put you in the group chat and i just want everybody to be to know that they're not alone in this really scary time um, and that we love you guys. We're looking out for you. And if you feel like you guys need someone to reach out to, please know that our DMs are always open, both on the Teen Wolf Twitter and our personal Twitters. The Teen Wolf Twitter is at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf. That's our Instagram handle. Teen Wolf Rewolf is the Tumblr handle. You can find us, our personal stuff through there. And um, uh, we love you. And we hope you have a wolf of a hiatus because we- we're not going to talk to you guys for a while. We sure do. Awoo! Awoo!